This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to start at John 14. We're going to get to Philippians, but I want to start at John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus' words spoken to the disciples, spoken to his followers. So why do we let, why do we let the words of a few change our entire day? If John 14, 27 tells us that God's given us peace in Christ, that our hearts are set, why is it that a few words from a few people can ruin, not just an afternoon, but a day, a week, a month, a whole season? So do the words of Jesus, spoken to his followers, do they not just hit your ears, but do they actually move from ears to brain and then from brain to heart and actually change you? Do you really experience peace? Or do you sit here today with very human, troubled hearts that you're going, all right, at least I get a, a respite from it, but I'm still troubled? Why is it that John 14, 27 doesn't really hit us here? Well, some of it is that the real questions, real concerns with tangible problems, you could enumerate them to me very specifically. So why is it that John 14 doesn't find itself set there? See, the world talks about many things. It talks about needing more stuff. It talks about the economy needing to be due more or less. Have you guys listened to the business news over the last few months? It's somewhat amusing. Here's how it goes. It's better. It's not. It's better. You guys know the follow-up, right? It's not. Okay. Then it's better. Uh, so that if you don't listen, I've saved you a lot of time. And if you are listening... I'm going to save you a lot of time this afternoon. They'll tell you it's good, and then it's not, and then it's better. Uh, there's just these knee-jerk head reactions of what's going on. We chase things. We just chase them. Uh, and then if something good arrives, do you even know it? Because you're so worried by what you thought you were chasing, you don't even know that good news is in your hands. Because you're so caught up to know the next story. See, I mentioned at the start of the service that our congregation is at a unique little juncture. It's the juncture called buying 6.2 acres with a plan to build, to do construction, to do other things, and to know that today we're bringing forward pledges and we're going to get all the answers that we need today, right? Good. We will not get all the answers that we need today. But we will get the only answer that we need today. Peace in Christ. All the other stuff is vitally important knowing what the commitment of a church is, knowing our ability to help bring a site to life and to do construction on that site and to convert a house and to put parking lots in. The town really wants us to have actual parking before we invite you to go drive on dirt or drive off a 12-foot cliff that is Beaver Creek Commons coming into the property now. We will never ask you to do that. So someone listening online going, they would ask me to drive my car off a 12-foot cliff? No, we would not. So what will happen Next, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
These are words that our, our congregation needs to hold. There's absolutely nothing to fear. God's got us where we need to be. And we need to remember that God's actually informing us about where we are. So here's our nation on the verge of thanksgiving. So what are we giving thanks for? Are we giving thanks for a God who has given to us? Do we realize that on Thanksgiving Day that we get to give thanks for a God who says Christ for us? A God who doesn't speak just to the unknown voids. God speaking to say, I'm here for you. This is the power of the Christian faith. We serve a God who comes to us, who serves us. And worry and the arrival of anxiety is something that the Lord actually came to stamp out. I want you to think about if, if God were here, that he had his foot, he's actually stomping out anxiety. This is what the scriptures do. Christ came to let people know, I leave you with peace. Now, I promise you we get to Philippians, and we will, so let's go. Philippians chapter 3, uh, we're going to start kind of in the middle of the letter. Uh, the whole front end uh, we'll cover in a bit, but here's the beginning. Philippians 3, 17 to 19, so we start in the middle. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He's writing to a church while he is in prison in Rome. He's in prison, and he writes and says, I want you to follow a pattern of fellow believers. The text continues, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame and their minds are set on earthly things. You get a picture of those opposed to God, they are chasing after their own desires. They're looking for peace in all the wrong places. They're trying to fix their worry by getting deeper into worry. They're trying to fix their concern by going even deeper into what that problem is. They're opposed to Christ. Now, do you remember Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 18, I mean chapter 1 verse 18, told us that the cross, as Paul wrote, is foolishness to those who are dying. The story of Christ and his cross is full. People go, a cross? How's that going to fix anything? A guy dies? He's crucified, he's actually executed, and that fixes things for me? That's foolishness. Someone dying doesn't make sense that that brings life. That's not a normal thing. And if you're going, Pastor, it is. You should know the answer to this. I know the answer because the Spirit has changed how I look at that event. To someone outside the church to say someone was executed, and that's good news for you, ladies and gentlemen, that's not normal. You don't look to other executions and say, boy, I'm so glad that that person was executed 400 years ago because now I'm better. It's foolishness unless the Spirit reminds us. So the letter to the church in Philippi is written to remind us, live a life with no fear and no anxiety. How many of you would like that? No fear, no anxiety. It'd be awesome. And God invites us to that. He shares that with us and says, I want to give that to you. Our entire reading of the scriptures in 2019 has given us a perspective to watch what God's doing to care for a people who, to be honest, we carry around with us what? Lots of fear and lots of anxiety. He removes it. A God who won't forsake us and won't abandon us. The whole Old Testament has God's people sometimes following him and lots of time God doing what? <laughs> in front of his people, beside his people, and behind them, trying to get their attention as they're running away from him. He refuses to leave them, even though they are working so hard at times to chase what they believe is necessary. He moved first. That is, 
Christ moved so we don't have to cling to what we do. Rather, we listen to what Christ has done for us. Philippians chapter 3 tells us that we're, we're different. See, we stand in the Lord and we stand firm on what he's doing. Verse 20 and 21, our citizen, our citizen, not the earthly pleasures, not the things that we're worried about fixing, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we don't live in a country where you normally carry your passport. In other parts of the world, you normally just will carry your passport with you. Paul's actually writing to remind you, it's not a bad idea to carry your passport with you. But I don't mean the one that says you're birth country or the country where you hold your citizenship he says your citizenship is in heaven but hold that with you it identifies you it tells everyone who you are it tells them where you came from and it also tells them where you're going those are the things that passports tell you but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior talks about our expectations we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Now, if you're going to ride somebody's coattails, ride the coattails of someone who everything on earth is subject to him. This is Jesus Christ, the one who made, the one who conquered, the one who restores. And so it is in Christ we find ourselves able to move forward. And along the way, it's all about people. Citizenship, it's a unique language. It talks about the value of people. Citizenship is a wonderful thing to know that you belong somewhere. You know why Thanksgiving's actually fun? Because you find a table where you're welcomed. It doesn't matter if there's two people around the table or 20. It's nice to sit at a table where you're welcomed. Even if someone who doesn't have a home Many of you may serve meals to the homeless or those who are troubled. They sit down and at least for that moment, they know they have a place where they can be and they're safe. The citizenship we have in Christ gives us comfort in the midst of trial and temptation. Philippians 4 verse 1 reads it in this way. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. Standing firm is a very powerful image. July 2nd, 1863, uh, the 20th Maine Regiment is given a few simple words. They are in the extreme flank of the Union Army, and they are at Little Round Top in Gettysburg, and they are told this, hold until relieved. Hold until relieved. Standing firm means one thing. It means another when it's attached to the fact that 129 of the friends in the 20th Maine will die at that moment. In the moments of watching two battalions come at them on an extreme flank when they're trying to get around the end of the Union, and then ready for the craziest thing they do, they run out of ammunition, they're very close, and history fights as to who actually makes the decision uh, to go. There's some, some argument as to whether or not it's actually uh, the commander or lieutenant or someone else, but it doesn't matter, because here's what they do. They fix bayonets and they run at the Confederate army so that they can hold when they're even out of ammunition. And you know what the army does when you're running at someone? Oh, man. They figured they'd weed them. They'd beat them. And they just faded. It's an amazing picture of what it is to hold until relieved. I want to paint you another picture. And I want to take you to Oregon. It's 2015. 
uh, and we're at a community college in Roseburg, Oregon. And a young man walks into Umpqua Community College, and he asks those gathered there, he says, if you are a Christian, I want you to stand. And they stand up, and he kills them. Because he's a gunman who asks Christians to stand, and yet they stand firm in their faith, knowing that their profession will hold them in a way that the world could never imagine. See, standing firm is a very, well, you probably have different images of what standing firm looks like now. So how do we respond in great pain? What do we do to stand firm? Paul writes to the church in Philippi, in this imprisoned situation, while he's in Rome, he's waiting on Festus to sort out his trial, whether or not he should actually be in prison permanently or temporarily, and for years he's in prison, and he writes this letter. Philippians is written from prison. I've shared it before, but boy, you're reading a letter of a guy in jail, and you're enjoying it. It's an amazing picture of how God uses unique situations and timing. So how do we respond? Well, listen to how Paul speaks. He continues after standing firm. He says this, verse 4 to 6, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Paul had so many reasons that he could have spoken about, challenge and strife and, and concern, but he's reasonable even while he's in prison. He still knows God's got stuff for him to do. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. With prayer and supplication, offering thanks to God, gratitude to God, and also laying petitions at his feet, going, God, I do not know how this will resolve, but you do. Lord, I do not know what will happen this week. I don't, but I give it to you because your shoulders are significantly broader than mine. And your grace is deeper than I know. And the faith that you have given me by the Spirit will hold me in the midst of any sea. Now, do not be anxious is somewhat interesting if you've been kind of following along because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Paul said he was anxious about the churches that he had planted. You see, Paul was still human. Don't read the Bible as if these are superheroes. There is no one in the Bible who is a superhero save Christ himself. And I don't want to offend by saying superhero because he's not a Marvel comic. He's not anything. He's God. But don't paint Paul as if Paul is perfect. Paul is made perfect in Christ. You and I are made perfect in Christ. The Christ who speaks for us and to us. See, there's a human side even to your pastor. Today's a big day for our church. You know, what will it look like as we bring forward pledges and all these different things? I can tell you, like, there's a pastor human side of me that's going, I wonder what will happen. Do you know what the answer is? Christ will hold us, he will be victorious, and we will move forward. Because that's what Christ's people do. Some of you are going, man, I'm not nervous at all about today. That's awesome. I'm not saying you're nervous about bringing forward a pledge. I'm just sharing with you, sometimes in these moments, there's anxiety the unknown. Don't focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you know. And you know that Christ has us now. Tomorrow will come and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be true to his promises for you and for me. 
and that in this congregation we will continue to preach, teach, and admonish the saints to walk as Christ would have us go. These things are fixed points. They're not moving. They're not changing. Today is an important day at Jordan Lutheran Church because as the psalmist wrote in 118.24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Reverend Dietrich Bonhoeffer also writes letters from prison. And he writes them to his fiancée. They had gotten engaged just before he finds himself in a Nazi concentration camp. Uh, and you have recorded now uh, the love letters uh, of Bonhoeffer and his fiancée. And it is fascinating to watch a couple who unfortunately never see each other again, but who cling to a joy that looks so different than what you and I would anticipate because they had a higher picture and image of what God was actually doing in relationships than you and I. Because sometimes we just think that it's got to be face-to-face. You've got to have the turkey. You've got to be across the table. Uh, the restoration of relationships doesn't always look face-to-face and eye-to-eye. God is restoring something so much bigger to us. And the peace. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we're guarded in God so that we move from worry to wonderment. We move from concern to contentment. And the move happens in Christ. From worry to wonderment, concern to contentment. So whatever happens, whatever worry you have, it fades away in Christ. Christ's glory who speaks for you. Christ for the one even who is there on the cross. It's an amazing text that Luke records. The thief on the cross who sits there and Christ speaks for him. But Christ also speaks for us, and he speaks for you, each and every one of you individually. Christ speaks for you. The power of Christ is in his spoken word. You are forgiven. May our hearts and minds of the congregation be fixed, not on our plans, but the plans Christ has for us. May our hearts and minds be fixed on a God who speaks and says, God is breaking up the ground that is you and I to get a soil and seedbed ready for what's moving forward. Anxiety be gone. Christ is present. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.